Great job. As we go to prayer today, I uh, want to share with you, Pastor Gary's not here. He's sick. He um, tested positive for COVID. His mother, he's fine. He wanted to share with you. Um, His mother also tested positive, but hers is serious. So we ask you to pray for um, her, and we will pray for her together. Uh, Her name's Lynn. And I wanted to share with you uh, that we are doing, uh, I'm sending out prayers every week uh, through a text message, through the text chain Courtney, if you don't mind, we didn't plan this ahead of time, but are you able to pull up the phone number list? If you have a prayer request that you want to share with the church, if you text that number, 833-795-7474, you can just text us your prayer request. You could say, I'd like prayer for this, but it's private. Our pastoral team will pray for it by ourselves, amongst ourselves. And then in the service, we will just say, this family name, there's an unspoken request. Um, Or if you don't want your family name, you could say that as well. In any case, we want to pray for you. Then we'll send out a list of prayers uh, each week. I just invite you to be a part of that. Uh, We value prayer. Uh, We'd like to be a part of that with you. That phone number, if you can't see it, is 833-795-7474. If you want to join the prayer group, text the words, join prayer. Um, if you'd like to share a prayer request, just text us your prayer request. You could do that at any time. Well, we have many uh, things to pray for today, and uh, I invite you to pray with me. It looks like there's a few more people looking to do the text thing, and I will share that with you after service. I'm happy to do that and share that with you at any time. Let's pray. God of Incarnation. Your angel host announces that peace has been born among us, embodied in fragile flesh. With confidence in the power of that miracle, we bring before you our prayers for the church and the world. Lord, we pray for for Retha uh, Cano as she's grieving the loss of her her grandmother. We ask you to, to bless her with your spirit to comfort her. Lord, we pray the same for Shirley Pritchett, who lost her friend recently, Uh, who is grieving, and uh, that friend's family, we ask you to to be present with them, comfort them. Lord, we pray for uh, Carissa, our nursery worker, and we ask you to bless her body, uh, touch her her brain, uh, and uh, continue to uh, be with her as she goes through treatment and provide healing. Lord, we pray for Leonard and Rhonda Holder, Roxanne's friends. Uh, Leonard uh, recently had a surgery, and we ask you to touch his body and provide healing and recovery and give Rhonda strength. Lord, we pray for, for Brittany's dad, Terry Berry. We ask you to bless him, uh, continue to provide uh, power in his body, um, give him strength, uh, protect him, and keep him safe from, from viruses and diseases of any kind, um, and keep his immune system strong. Lord, we praise you for uh, good test results back for, for Carolyn. Uh, we, we thank you that uh, no, uh, no malignant cancer was found, and we ask you, Lord, to continue to, to bless her and continue to, to touch her body and provide healing and strength and power. Lord, we thank you for, for Janet's successful surgery with her, her sinus um, surgery. Lord, we thank you that you were involved, that you gave the doctors wisdom, that you 
that you touched her body and that you're providing healing and recovery. And she testified that it was way better of a surgery than that she could have imagined. So we, we thank you, God. And Lord, we ask you to be with her father. Continue to bless Janet's father who uh, was in the hospital recently is and still, still recovering, but at home. We ask you to bless him and give him strength. Lord, we thank you for, for Rose Castle and Laura, Lauren Thomas, who are part of our own, and uh, Lauren's mother, Vicki, who recently had surgery for cancer, and we ask you to bless her and give her strength and continue to heal her and uh, give the doctors wisdom on what the next steps are for her. Lord, and we pray uh, for uh, one of our friends, Rachel, whose sister-in-law is recovering from brain surgery. We ask you to touch her, and we thank you that that surgery was successful. God, we continue to praise you and thank you. Lord, we pray for uh, the Pearson family. We ask you to bless them and give them power and uh, strengthen them, Lord. We pray for Pastor Gary. We ask you to touch his body, keep him safe, Lord. uh, Continue to bless him with peace and, uh, Lord, give him a, a sense that you're involved as he is uh, concerned for his mother, we ask you to bless Lynn and uh, touch her body. Give the doctors wisdom on the best way to care for her, on what's next, Lord. And we ask you to bless her, keep her safe, and provide healing. Lord, we pray for our leaders here in Gainesville, our, our government leaders and our workers, and we ask you to bless them on making decisions on what's next for our community and what's the right path and what decisions need to be made and give them discernment, God. We ask you to be with the Gainesville Police, and the Hall County Sheriff's Department. Lord, protect them as they work to protect us. Lord, we thank you for our, our hospital staff, our nurses, our doctors, and, and technicians. And God, we ask you to give them breath today. Uh, breathe into them, Lord, and, and fill them full of peace and strength as they are doing the best they can right now with, with the resources they have. And we ask you to bless them. Bless our teachers and give them a sense of a Sabbath this season as they're pausing, uh, hopefully, in this break. Uh, Lord, and as they return in the spring, we ask you to, to keep them safe, continue to protect them, continue to strengthen them. And we ask you to call up new leaders and new uh, police officers, new nurses, new doctors, new teachers, more people who, who are committed to caring for our community. And Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for, for President Trump. We ask you to bless him uh, with what he needs for peace. And Lord, we ask you to uh, give him discernment on the right decisions that, that only he can make. Lord, we ask you to be with our, uh, the rest of our government and our nation. We ask you to bless the people across our nation with peace. Oh, Lord, as so many of us are hoping for something, and we know that something is you. Uh, Lord, by your grace, we pray, transform our prayers from words to deeds that we may live as holy people in the dawn of your peace redeemed from all that divides us. Amen. Well, it's my pleasure um, to, to preach today, to share the word, to turn to scripture. Uh, I'm sorry for the circumstances. I wish Pastor Gary was able to be here, but at the same time, he's doing what he needs to do, and he's doing uh, taking care of himself. So that's right and good and proper. And, uh, but it's a pleasure still for me. I love turning to scripture, and as I, <laughs> I have been going through my own devotions, I, um, this scripture affected me, and, and it shaped me, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to share it with you. Well, uh, <clears throat> you may have heard this said before, but Rome 
wasn't built in a day. It takes time to create great things. It takes work, too. But Rome wasn't built in a day. And Rome was this magnificent historical wonder, a tower, an example of civilization. Our own culture, our own government, it's, it's been built on the foundation of Roman civilization, Roman culture, Roman thought, Roman philosophy. So how long, something that was so great, so magnificent, and such a wonder, how long did it take for Rome to become the empire that it was. If it wasn't built in a day, how long? How long could it possibly have taken? Bringing order and unity across the European continent, Rome apparently started out as just a small village. But it rose to power, gathered allies, built roads and fought back against enemies, organized citizens to stand for something greater than themselves and became one of the most powerful governments of history. So how long did it take? Any guesses? Any guesses? How long did it take? For was built in a day. Rome wasn't built in the day. How long did it take? Five hundred years. I'm hearing we're doing a auction. I hear five hundred, five hundred, five hundred, five hundred. That's a good guess. It's about double that. A thousand years. A thousand years for for Rome to become the powerhouse that it was, to rise up to its height. And the Roman populace learned a truth. It takes time to create great things. The bad news for Rome is that there is also another truth. That what goes up must come down. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And Rome fell. And it was ugly and long and drowned out. Citizens murdered each other. The government became corrupt. And the region was far too spread out to fight against all the enemies that they had created. And eventually, the empire split in half. And finally, centuries later, dissolved altogether. And it's true that Rome wasn't built in a day, but it's also true that civilizations will rise and fall. That was true for ancient Rome. It was true for the Mayan Empire. True for the Chaldean Empire, you may know it as the Babylonian Kingdom, the Babylonian Empire. True for the Assyrian Empire. True for so many empires. The list goes on and on for so many civilizations around the world. Mostly their fall is caused from instability around resources, warfare, disease. With a pattern of of falling from power, falling from this rise up, it's true on a small scale too. Not just nations. Wendy and I, we were in a town riding with a local. And it was the first time I had been there. We got into the town and I started seeing row after row of abandoned houses. And then streets. Boarded up windows. Graffiti tagged houses. Grass up to your knees. And it's not just one house. You know, that's kind of normal. It's house after house after house after house. Empty sidewalks and driveways. It looked like people were hiding from a fallout, as if somehow the surface hadn't become safe. So I turned to our friend who was driving us, and I said, what, what, what possibly happened here? Well, she said, in the 70s, this place was alive. 
everyone was moving here. She paused for a while before going on. Then she said, but in the 80s, the plant closed down, and then another plant closed down, and then another, and something like 20,000 people lost their jobs in 10 years. And eventually we have this. They all left. And 40 years later, when Wendy and I were there, the, the city had never recovered. I'm talking about rising to power, and I'm talking about falling from power. Churches aren't immune. No, 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 no. I've seen churches booming, exploding with people looking to meet Jesus, to hear about God, and then, and then, nothing. What happened? Well, it could have been a scandal, could have been an argument, could have been burnout. Something happened, and eventually, they closed up their doors. I'm talking about rising and falling. You've seen students go through this. I remember a friend from school, one of the smartest people I've known, not just nerdy, no, he was genuinely smart and, and barely tried, you know, the kind that makes you frustrated. How could you possibly do that well in that test? You didn't even look at this material. And I don't know what happened. I'm not sure if it was pressure from somewhere, his parents, anxiety from something else, but soon he was self-medicating with whatever he could get his hands on. His life trajectory had been taking him somewhere way higher than I could ever imagine, that I could ever dream of. He was meant for something amazing, but he stumbled and fell and lost his footing, and he was never quite able to get back up. And last I heard from him, He was living on the streets out west, and we we could barely hold a conversation because he couldn't focus on what we were talking about. I'm talking about rising and falling. You've seen it happen to your family or someone you love. I knew a perfect family, amazing kids, amazing parents, Amazing house, amazing vacation, amazing churches, and amazing jobs. And you're thinking, who in the world lives like that? But it's true. It was amazing. It all seemed amazing. Whatever it is that so many of us are searching for, I thought they had it. I found out they didn't have it. Multiple affairs came to light, rumors of abuse and a divorce, rising and falling. What might be worse is when you and your people have never risen to power in the first place. It's just been downhill from the get-go all the way. But even if you feel like you've never risen, you still know what it's like to fall. Because we all fall. At some point, we stumble and get lost. We get forced into situations with no right answers. We fear, and we look down at our hands, and we say, I don't know how I'm going to make make it through this. And I'm not, sure, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure where Joseph and Mary were on their trajectory of rising and falling. I know they, they're, they're human. They're about to have a baby. I know they, they had to have stumbled along the way. But surely, when an angel of God appeared to them, that, that sounds like a high point, right? That, that's pretty amazing. Friends and family singing and celebrating the coming of the Son That sounds like a high point. But that first week after the son was born seems like like pretty 
pretty tough week to me. Honey, there's a census. We've got to go to Bethlehem. What census? We've never had to do that before. I know, but this year we do. We barely have enough money saved up for what we need when Jesus gets here. How can we go down to Bethlehem? And then Jesus is born. Mary and Joseph, they do what they need to do, what's required of them. And that comes with more cost. And so within the first week, Jesus needs to be circumcised. I can only imagine there's a cost for that too. And then it's time for purification as required by the law. So Mary and Joseph, they have to travel up to Jerusalem. And travel ain't cheap either with a newborn and buy the animal required for sacrifice. If they had risen up and felt like they were flying high after that angel appeared to them, I'm guessing by this point in their story, their energy is feeling a little low. And that's where we find ourselves in Luke 2, to 40, just after what Hannah shared with us earlier. So when, we'll have it here on the screen. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his hands and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. But there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84. And she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. So by the time by the time Joseph and Mary make it to the temple, it seems like they're a little short on money. You may have missed it. They didn't, they didn't sacrifice a ram or a goat, which if you go back into the laws, that's the preferred sacrifice. It seems they went for the cheaper option, sacrificing pigeons. 
So I'm honestly not sure how Mary and Joseph are feeling by this time. This old prophet walks up to them, making faces at their baby. I'm not sure. Maybe they're exhausted. Maybe they're hopeful. Maybe they still think, maybe they still feel like things are looking up and everything will turn out all right. Or maybe it's the other way and they are terrified of the responsibility before them, feeling completely unequipped for raising Jesus, the Messiah. Thinking someone else could do a better job. Someone that could really give Jesus the best this world has to offer. After all, Jesus would be at a disadvantage when compared to the education and resources of neighboring kids, right? And if Jesus was raised by someone in politics, then it makes sense that it would be easier for him to be raised by someone in politics to take his rightful place as the Messiah. After all, this young couple, they were low class. Looking around and seeing other people making goat sacrifices for their babies, you think they would have to wonder, are we, are we, are we really the best ones for the job? After all, they were from Nazareth. And nothing good seems to come from Nazareth. And that's when this old prophet walks up to them, seeing this young, poor, struggling couple with the hope of the world in their arms. As is often the way, this prophet knows something that we don't know, or maybe don't yet understand. And he says, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. Simeon the prophet, he knows about it too. Then, the way of salvation and and life, we rise and we fall. But wait, no, that's that's not what Simeon said. It wasn't rising and falling. It's strange. Simeon, Simeon reverses it. He says falling and rising instead of rising and falling. But his sequence, it's, it's got to be wrong. You can't fall unless you've already risen. So maybe, maybe he's talking about powerful people falling and the weak rising. So different people. That could be. That sounds like a gospel message, right? But I wonder if we've gone deep enough into this word of the Lord? Could it mean anything more for us? Could it be that Simeon saw that Jesus, the Christ, would reverse the order of the world and bring hope to all things? Simeon, it seems, knew something about the citizenship of the kingdom of God versus citizenship of the world. Citizens of the world, they they rise to power, if they rise at all, and then they fall. It's not pretty, but that's, that's the way the world is. That's how citizenship is, rising and falling. But if it isn't obvious, Simeon isn't interested in the way of the world. He gave up on that some time ago. Simeon knows the difference that the kingdom of God makes. Citizens of the kingdom, they must fall and then rise. Like Simeon, citizens of the kingdom must fall before the power of Emmanuel, and rise to the power of life. The kingdom of God, the birth of Jesus, the coming of God in the world, it reverses things. It isn't rise and fall, it is fall and rise. 
Fall in worship, fall in service, fall in submission, fall in death, fall in acceptance. Fall down and worship the Great One, the origin of all things, the Eternal One. Fall. Fall before God's power in terror and in hope. Fall before the manger. Fall before the Lord on the cross. Fall into the waters and the tomb and the grave. Give up and give in. Because if you do it the world's way, then your fall will be your end. You will not rise again to new things. Instead, you will be stuck there, spilled out on the ground like milk for a stray dog to lick up. That's what Simeon says, fall and rise. He says it to Mary and Joseph in what might have been a very difficult time for them, and maybe even more so with that upcoming decree from Herod. Fall in worship at Christ's birth like Simeon and Anna and the shepherds and the wise folk And the angels of heaven fall down. And while you're down there, humbled and weak, and finally realizing that you can't do this on your own, let go of it all. Let go of all that baggage and that weight. Let go of that anxiety that this season has brought you that we don't talk about. Let go of that fear that your presents weren't good enough. Let go of that anxiety to please others. Let go of that fixation of making sure your family looks perfect this season. Let go of it all. Let go of this year. Gosh, let go of this year. Let go of your anger that you didn't do more, that you felt like you didn't have control. Drop it all and let it fall too. Free up your hands so that you can finally grab hold of Christ, embracing him as child and as Savior. Fall before Emmanuel. And then rise. Rise. Rise in song. Rise to the call of God on your life. Rise to this righteous responsibility that God has given you to love your neighbor. Rise to a new life. Rise to blessing. Rise to God looking at you and saying, I'm proud of you, my child. It is hard to let go of that old life. Rise and be free. Rise as a citizen of the kingdom. Rise as a child of God. Rise as holy brothers and sisters committed to sharing God's blessing. Rise and don't ever look back. Rise closer and closer into Christ-likeness. That's what Simeon says. Don't rise and fall. Fall down at the feet of Jesus and rise up again. And as we rise, I invite you to Say this psalm with me. Psalm 148. I invite you to say it with me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth. You sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hell, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountain and all hills, 
fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful. For the people of Israel who are close to him, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Amen.